Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and non-Sunday enthusiast. By that, I mean ice cream Sunday because I'm lactose intolerant. I don't like Sundays. Oh, wow. (laughs) I I like them, but you know what I'm saying. It's just painful. It's painful. I'm Kava Tahiri, your host. Actually, and I'm, I agree with that. Ice cream's never been my favorite, and my stomach is only showing me how I'm getting old lately. Uh, Angelina Mian. <laughs> yeah, so, hot take. Hot. Sundays stress me out. I'm yeah. like, ah! A lot Ice of big sweaty dumps in that. Yeah, lots of, oh, God, you're not te- you're telling me that, man. Like, like <laughs> Give me that lactate. Speaking yes. of big sweaty dump Sundays, we're yeah. talking about <laughs> Sunday in the park with George. <laughs> Oh man, I'm, a, I'm a wild one today. You yeah. just you just hurt 18 year old me on like such a profound <laughs> level right there. Maybe maybe even 34 oh, year old me on like such a because if there's one thing that I think about in in my life that's important it, to be honest, it mm-hmm. is my sweaty dumps and Sunday in the Park with George. Um, probably my favorite Broadway show of all time. Does he uh, take a big sweaty dump in this? Is that part oh, of the plot? Yeah, actually, it's a huge, massive part. So it's about how George oh, Seurat invents uh, uh, pointillism because he's got flecks of corn in his crap and he looks down his crap and he's like, wow, <laughs> when you put the brown next to the yellow, it really does make green. Dots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, this oh, is goodness. like, yeah, yeah, Off to yeah. a great start. A fantastic uh, start. Anyway, <laughs> so this has been, uh, obviously, we've been working towards this. Yeah. I, I would say that the impression I got from you that, well, not the impression, you pretty much said this outright, that this is like the Sondheim, capital T-H-E, uh, Sondheim, Sondheim work for you. Yes. This is the one that if I truly, if I don't like it, we will end this podcast and never speak to each yeah. other for the rest of our lives. I don't think we we will ever be able to be friends again. I, you know, it's it's not true, but like, uh, I, I say that jokingly, but also like... In hyperbole, yes. I, I've met you in person. I know how to find you. So like... <laughs> You know, I know where you live. Yeah. But no, seriously, this show was like um, if um, this is probably not the most flattering way to open this statement. It's but all right. If, we've uh, already we've already been we've already gone off the rails. <laughs> the True. We have been talking about diarrhea. Um, uh, <laughs> fuck it. Um, this is not the most flattering way to open uh, this statement. But if uh, Phantom of the Opera defined like my preteen years mm-hmm. and my high school years, like my teenage years, Sunday in the Park with George defined my 20s. Like okay. this was the show that like I think carried me <laughs> out of the O's into the 10s. And uh, honestly, even still, like I every time I think about it and come back to it, there's something new about it that I appreciate all over again or something uh, that strikes me in a way that it had never happened to strike me before. Mm. Um, okay. I, I uh, yeah, I first discovered it. So I've talked a lot about how I got into Sondheim and it was Sweeney Todd that got me started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magical senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really into Sweeney Todd and into the woods. And then I got my first like summer job and I was getting paid like absolutely shit money. But it was my first job. And I remember saving up, uh, you know, my first like, I'm going to, you know, not pay for whatever this time. I'm going to buy myself something nice. And it was I had heard a lot about Sunday in the Park with George mm-hmm. and was like eager to explore it. And I bought the uh, the, the production that we are going to watch. OK. And it, like a Blu-ray or something. This, of it. Yeah. On DVD. DVD uh, okay. it, it was taped for the PBS Great American Playhouse. It's mm-hmm. a couple of things that we've watched. Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. And uh, just being not even 18 years old, but like just about to start college and like kind of fig- trying to begin figuring out who I was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I 
I watched Sunday and it <laughs> has you bu- you stayed with me. You bought this blind, you're since... saying, or, or did you, did you, had you seen it or you just threw down the money and you're like, I'm going to fucking buy it. I way. just threw down the money. Okay. I just threw down the money. So I was like, like a big, this came highly recommended. going into it, there was a big expectation because, you know, have, you know, a DVD at that point, at that age, if you don't have a lot of money, is probably what, like $30? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. Six dollars uh, an hour at that point. That's a lot of hours. And it's a I lot was of, making it's, exactly yeah. six dollars at yeah. that point. I was I making see. six dollars at a little shitty thrift store. And uh, yeah, like this is like the most like cliche. There's like I was working at a thrift store in high school and I went. Hey, man, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> no I judgment. bought my DVD for cool twenty nine ninety nine from Books a Million. Uh, you know, what, uh, but what yeah, made no, you like, want to just buy it outright without having seen it? I think it was because I really liked Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods. And the other thing was um, I had thought about going into art in high school. And then I had Mm -hmm. an AP art teacher who um, was like, well, that's really cool. Your AP art statement was really good. Have you considered going to art history? Because you're good about writing about art and not not necessarily drawing. And like at that point, I um, had applied to my university that I was accepted to as mm-hmm. an art history major and so it seemed like oh this is about George Seurat this is like I know who George Seurat is I really mm-hmm. really like mm-hmm. you know impressionism and post-impressionism so um this sounds right up my alley on top yeah. of the fact that I really liked what I had known of Sondheim Makes and sense. this yeah. show t- yeah and like boy it like it it hit me immediately it, it was just like disappoint. one of those immediately like no it did not and it's it's um it's Oh God, I don't even know where, like this, this episode could easily be two hours long. Like just, I have so many feelings about this show, but, sure. um, but right, okay. yeah, it was, so just it was keep the telling show, me, so you, but you bought it, you took it, you it got delivered to your house. You said you went to a store to get it. Yeah. Took it home. Yeah. Popped I went to it in, books or something. Watched yeah. it. Life, life changed. Just li- exactly. It was like one of those moments where you, you know, like everyone has that piece of media that they see that like, they feel like the hair is on the, on their yes. arms raise up and they just go, this is going to be a lifelong thing. Like, Yes, that it was that immediate a feeling that was that was Sunday in the Park with George for me. And again, right. knowing nothing about it, no, none of the music, not none, nothing of where it sits in the context of, of musical theater at the time. Mm-hmm. I just it, it just got me really, really hard, because um, which is weird. Cause it's 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 a, such a it's a very heavy show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like but a hopeful one. So I don't know. It was just like such like a profound experience for me. So, yeah, Be- because we're on the theme of art history, I will relate my story, which is not about um, a musical, but. Similar to that, uh, when I was in school, uh, in art school, in undergraduate, uh, I studied mm-hmm. illustration. We were studying, for, you know, fine art, a lot of form-based stuff. Like we were doing figurative painting and drawing, like nonstop. That's like the core of what the sure, program sure. was, and you know, learning art history stuff. So I was very, very form, like kind of composition, traditional based. Sure. Uh, and yes. I remember I went to see. I happened to come across some Rothko paintings, just incident. Like I didn't like, plan on it. Hmm. I didn't know because at that point I was like, abstraction is stupid. Like I'm cool because like sure. I know how to draw. And that was some shit where I was right. like, Oh wait, uh, oh okay. <laughs> I I thought I understood and I like don't. And it was really exciting and it changed the trajectory of how I thought about a lot of stuff. So it sounds like it's something similar, right? Sure. Yes. Yes. 100%. Like it changed how I saw musicals. It definitely like to speak to just like my like life's career Mm -hmm. choices or even just like, I guess rather my my life's trajectory um, definitely is one of those things that put me on the track to where I am today. Cause I ended up sticking with art history. I ended up getting into specifically late 19th century Mm -hmm. art history, Mm -hmm. uh, post-impressionist stuff. 
in part because of this. Uh, and it's it's we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's yeah. very loosely based on the life of George Shiraz. So it's not it's it's like the bare semblance of biography. It okay. definitely falls into more like magical realism here. The paintings in uh, Chicago, right? I think that's where I saw it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, specifically uh, the Sunday afternoon on the island of the Grinstead is at the Art Institute of Chicago. Yeah. Very famously uh, used in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's very big, yeah, too, so, which is what's so, crazy about it when you actually see the painting. It's, it's massive. It's m- massive. Um, and just, just the actual technique that went into it and like the, the, the stages of, of painting that went into it, just like the, the, the actual science behind it is, is mind boggling that like, it only took him two years to paint this, to be perfectly honest. Like could have just used an Epson printer and it would have been perfect. It would have been just as fast. Right. Right. Lame. Exactly. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ben Day dot system already figured this out, bro. Just use that. Uh, yes, I have actually right. had the pleasure of seeing it. It's incredible. It's it's insane. It's, in, it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, um, it's going to be very hard for me to not get into like art history tangents about this. Could, that's OK. Especially because this is so loosely based on on actual truth. But like, um, yeah, like it, it's just such a a tremendous painting. And even just like the, the way the music reflects the techniques that are used in it is very fascinating to me. OK. Um, the messages they pull from the history of Seurat and, and, and the history of this painting and how they weave them into something entirely new is very neat to me. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot. Like, I'm, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. Okay. Maybe we should go into notes and let you have a little yeah, cry just... while I, uh, <laughs> I go oh, through God. them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of crying. <sighs> Let's see. What do we got right. here? Um, Sunday in the Park with George is a 1984 American stage musical with music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and a book by James Lapine. Lapine, I do this every time, I forget. Lapine, Lapine, Lapine. Lapine, it's a Lapine, Lapine. It's loosely inspired by the 1886 post-impressionist painting A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte by Georges Seurat. Taking place... Taking place in 1880s Paris across a series of Sunday afternoons, Sunday in the Park with George tells the story of the titular George, a young painter whose works are repeatedly misunderstood by his peers and underappreciated by viewers. I'm catching a theme here. Uh, And Dot, (laughs) the young woman who served as both George's muse and lover. Is her name really Dot, like in real life? No, no, she's no, okay. I, I can get into the history of that. She she's she's a fictional character, but okay. there's like an analogy for her in George Shiraz's real life. And Dots, the young woman who serves as both George's muse and lover. Uh, though passionate about one another, the creation of La Grande Jatte slowly causes a rift between George and Dot, the former growing more increasingly isolated and inward, the latter beginning to develop her own identity and sense of self worth worth I'm terrible at this. Her own identity <laughs> and sense of self worth as she is pushed away. This sounds very uh, a star is born almost. A kind, uh, you, you know, it's it, it does follow the the patterns of like your artist muse kind of yeah. uh, cliches. Your uh, your phantom threads, what have you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when a life changing bend in their relationship finally forces them to confront the holes in their attraction to one another, for better or worse, both Dot and George must contend with how art and love brought them to this point, and how both will carry them into the future. Will these two crazy kids make up? Will George finish his painting in time for it to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off? That's great. All this and more in Sunday in the Park with George. Sunday began previews on April 2nd, 1984 at the Booth Theater on Broadway and officially opened on May 2nd, 1984. It closed in October of 1985 after 604 performances, though it won only two Tony Awards that award cycle. 
The original production swept the Drama Desk Awards and was bestowed with a Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Oh, man. Uh, one of only 10 shows in history of Broadway to win such an acclaim. I was going to say, I don't think we've seen any other of them, uh, any of the other uh, Pulitzer winning ones, have we? Well, Hamilton won a Pulitzer, I believe. And oh, it did. Okay, that's right. To... Yeah, oh, yeah, I don't Rent think I remember did. that Rent won a Pulitzer. Okay, so I take that yeah, back. Yeah, Rent won a Pulitzer. I, if if I'm recalling this correctly, I will you know, go Maybe back and right. edit this out if not. But like Rent has won a Pulitzer, so it kind of does sour that uh, lead right there yeah, <laughs> a little so bit. What? But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the version we were watching today was filmed towards the end of the production's original Broadway run in 1985, with almost all the original cast intact, including its two headliners, Bernadette Peters and Inigo Montoya, a.k.a. Mandy yes. Pinkin. Uh, I didn't realize. Okay, who my sister used to tell me I looked like, like when Mandy we were growing Patinkin? out, my sister would call me. No, she'd call me Inigo Montoya, and like, <laughs> to so be good. fair, I did have the hair yeah, the and haircut. the attitude. Yeah. So for the longest time, Mandy Patinkin was not Mandy Patinkin. You know, theater of stage and or legend of stage and screen and TV. Like Chicago he was a beloved Hope. character. He was just, yeah, he was just. Uh, he was just. I was just Inigo Montoya. You know, perfect. perfect. <laughs> like that. I as he as you are me as he are we and I am Mandy you Patinkin. Killed my father. Anyway, prepared to um, die. Uh, Sunday in the Park with George was the first Broadway show to use projection mapping. Oh, that's interesting. Mm, Yeah, that was a little fun tidbit that I put in there. And uh, like kind of rear projection shit or what? I guess we'll see it. But okay. so, yeah, you'll see it. And it's very interesting because uh, projection mapping has become very big with revivals of this show. Mm. And uh, you'll you'll be able to fill in why, I think, as soon as you start watching it. Um, It's like the Mandalorian. uh, It's like Unreal 3D. Like they're using those entire (laughs) (laughs) microids to film them in different locations. Have you seen that? Uh, it was the Tim and Eric's uh, billion dollar movie, like the schlang chair where like they plug you oh. in and like you put hot butter in your nose and like put chemicals in you. It was just exactly <laughs> like that. It's it's a really funny skit. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you after this. OK. But yeah. Um, so I guess. Uh, yeah. So this show only ran for about six. It, did, it, 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 it ran for 604 performances, which is not bad, but it's not great. And it did not recoup its cost. And it. But it comes at a very interesting point in 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 Sondheim's career. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What's uh, where's give us a context of where Sondheim is at this point? So prior to this, uh, a few years beforehand, uh, Sondheim had just staged his last show called "Merrily We Roll Along," and it is a notorious bomb. It ran for I think sixteen performances, nearly effectively killed his career. And oh. the show itself has gotten like "Merrily We Roll Along" has gotten a, a larger fan base now, and people seem to gravitate towards it more. It's it's still not my favorite, but like this show almost ended his career. This, this, this was the show that made him go like, fuck it. I'm going to go write video games and crossword puzzles and, yeah. you know, airport mystery novels. Broadway is too mean and petty. I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. So like, so Sunday is coming off of the heels of that kind of disappointment. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's very important context for what this show yeah. ends up being about. Forced him to kind of look inward in a way that he would not have had to otherwise. Right. And like the, a lot of the Sondheim shows we've talked about were Sondheim shows that were uh, a collaboration between him and Hal Prince, who directed Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't have him talked about a little night music, but a little night music. They had like it, it ended like Merrily Rolling was also a collaboration between them. And it kind of ended it not not on bad terms, but it was mm-hmm. just kind of like the ending of that phase of Sondheim's career. Okay. And he he meets James Lapine in a in a very roundabout way. James Lapine's like this young, you know, he's in his like late twenties, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was he started out as a graphic designer at the Yale School for Drama. Right. And um yeah, exactly. Yeah. James Lapine got his start in uh graphic design and he was graphic designing at uh, the Yale Department of Drama and they used to do this thing where people in different departments would, you know, kind of shadow other people just 
you know, for group cohesion, you know, so he ended up taking I, a few. I think people should just do clubs. that in general as well. I've also. Right. As, it, as, it, it's so brilliant. Just as a side tangent, like my experiences in going through both art undergraduate and film for masters is like people tend to be really segregated in their, their majors sure. and their focuses. And it's like, yeah. especially when it comes to stuff like this, that's like musicals or film or yeah. something. It's like so much of it is just understanding what the other person is doing and trying to like work right. together to achieve a goal and understanding why maybe someone's struggling with something right. rather than just being like, well, right, right, right. I'm over here on this department and it, it, it sort of takes away this cohesion, I think. So that's great that they were doing that. That's probably right. why it's Yale, which yeah. is a very famous school. This, yeah. So he'd been doing that, ended up doing some directing stuff and then got legitimately in directing and I think had just won like a, an outer critic circle award for a play he had done. Um, and, you know, still young and somebody, I forget who it was, was like, oh, you should talk to Stephen Sondheim and um, that burnout. Like, you guys would probably <laughs> get along. Yeah, right. And, and despite Sondheim feeling like a complete and utter failure, you know, James Lapine was like, holy shit, I get to meet Stephen Sondheim. And there's Sondheim. a very funny anecdote about how he went to Sondheim's house and Sondheim was just like, you know, this terrifying presence to him. And Sondheim opens the door and immediately like sees James Lapine and offers him weed. And like that was the beginning of their friendship. Uh, which, which to I'm me working is on this idea. It's called Wordle, I think. Yeah. I think it's yeah. going to be a big well, hit like when the, this internet thing comes out. Right. Well, it's like a, James Lapine had just started getting his work in musical theater. There's another great composer I love, William Finn, who mm-hmm. he had started doing William Finn's first show with. And, you know, it was just like kind of this rising young talent yeah. there. And they were sitting down, just kind of, they they bought random like he, James Pine said he bought random postcards of images, you know, to just kind mm-hmm. of like flick through and talk right. about and discuss. And one like of those things was a board post- of sorts, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was like, it was like a pre-internet Pinterest board. And one of those things was a postcard of a Sunday afternoon on the island of the Grand Jatte. And like they immediately started joking about it and talking about how it looked like a play set and like. Oh, this yeah, it looks like a it looks like a musical, but you know we don't know anything about the artist, which sounds very you know simple and standard. But that was the genesis of this show, mm-hmm. to say nothing of like the personal stuff that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a tr- it, it, even just getting it made was kind of like one of those by the you know skin of their teeth situations yeah. because uh, most of the show was not locked down until like right at the end of the preview period, and everyone mm. was fucking miserable <laughs> making it for Shit. the longest time uh, until like those like. It's one of those things where it's like those last like couple of songs are the things that give everything the context and the perspective that they need to tie it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's just kind of like being strung along, waiting on those things. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so like it, it, knowing that makes it even kind of like more remarkable because it's so dense. As we would expect from our boy. Uh, from our boy, Stephen Sondheim. Um, and uh, I was thinking a lot about this in Elvis. And while it's not like Baz Luhrmann style, mm-hmm. there is a lot going on. You know, like you're all it's it's the theater. You're looking at one image. You're hearing one, you know, sound. A lot of the music is very inspired by uh, pointillism. So it's very like just these really interesting pieces of dissonance that kind of come together to sound like. Yeah, this is going to be really bizarre to be like just the fact that you're saying it's music inspired by pointillism. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean even? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bunch of weird staccato shit. Like, I don't know. I don't even understand when you do that. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, not and not the entire <laughs> score, but like that is like a motif within yeah. like the the score itself. Um, and infamously, when it it lost basically everything besides a few design awards at the Tonys, mm-hmm. it lost to La Caja Fall, which most people probably know is the Birdcage. Bird cage, uh, right. it, the big Jerry Jerry Herman who wrote like um Hello Dolly, like you know big you know mm-hmm. it, he he infamously said uh, Jerry Herman like. 
the see the, uh, the 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 tuneful Broadway song is not dead, which everyone thought was just you know shade at Stephen Sondheim. Mm. You know, <laughs> speaking of coming out of the two thousand, coming out of the aughts, where right, it was right. dark forever. They're like, oh, we missed going right. to the movies and having stuff be fun and bright and not miserable in post nine eleven. Again, like I don't know, like from such madness, like to me, this is such a um, and I don't know. We we've mentioned this the last couple of episodes just because mm-hmm. everything has been heavy in general mm-hmm. to me this is such and i know in the past you've said about sondheim that a lot of his conclusions seem to be like things are neither good or bad right this to me is like probably the most hopeful and optimistic show he's ever written so okay. all right like okay. i i i was watching bits and pieces of it before recording this because i've seen it eight thousand fucking like yeah. i've seen it so many times that yeah. like watching a couple songs from it makes no difference in terms of like where, how my brain processes it. Sure, sure. But like, um, I sat and watched a couple of bits and pieces of it before recording this and it was just already like crying. Okay. <laughs> so like okay. it, it has, it has, it says so much. It says so much in one show. Um, and also just has a bunch of really lovely performances, not even just with Bernadette Peters and Mandy Patinkin, but like mm-hmm. there's a bunch of character actors in this, like Dana Ivy, who was, um, Oh, she's in like a ton of like '90s movies. Like I always think of her as cousin It's wife in uh, the Adams Family. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah, in like yeah. a ton of yeah. Dana Ives in this. Brent uh, Spiner from the Next Generation is in this. Uh, we did not lead yeah. with that. Jesus Christ, Angie, come on! That should have been the <laughs> first sorry, fucking uh, thing you said. <laughs> yeah, Charles Charles Kimbra from Cheers is in it. It's very funny. And also, merrily we roll along was like Jason Alexander's like big Broadway breakthrough. Ah, okay, but like okay. a lot, a lot of people come from Sondheim. Okay, uh, okay but okay. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lovely show. I'm very excited to share it you, with people. You, it's you've, uh, always you've my, my, my interest. Thing. No, I think uh, this one's yeah. going to be this is this is a heavy one. So we got to make sure that we uh, I'll, I'll make sure to watch it and not make fun of it off the bat quite yet. And, I will kill you. No, um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, no, I'll bring my uh, thoughtful I'll be, cap to this episode. Don't worry. Yeah, no, no, it's it's funny because like um, one of these uh, little anecdotes that I um recall about the making of this show was um, so again, sometimes older James Lapine's the younger one, and. They were talking something about Merrily We Roll Along and bad reviews, and Sondheim had said something to the effect of, I didn't get my first good review until Company came out in 1970, and I was 40, and even mm. then it wasn't in the New York Times. Mm. So, like... Hashtag like, relatable. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it, it's... um as, as I try to settle into myself and, you know, make things for myself again and, mm-hmm. um you know, not be so in my head about things, it's mm-hmm. it's a very, very, very relatable show. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. This is the word, strong words coming from a now professional artist. Uh, <laughs> <as you> quite, <laughs> uh, yes. Angie's available for hire. She's encroaching on my territory of being a professional illustrator, but I'm proud of her nonetheless. Oh, thank you. I will be at the uh, next, <laughs> next time you're it's at San Diego Comic Con. I will pleasure. be next to your table. Yes. Uh, just setting up rivalry things. God just willing. being like, fuck the guy next to me. Come buy my shit. Yeah. No, I hope uh, so. but yeah. I hope so. Just, yes. I'll try to be funnier this episode. But <laughs> no, it's no, such no. An it's okay. I'm, I'm getting the sense it's yeah. going to be a little bit more serious, and that's okay. And we'll just roll with it because that's sure. how life That's sure. how life is. Sometimes it's funny, sure. sometimes it's serious. So we're going to be serious. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. going to go watch the show and have capital T thoughts after the break. Yes. So stick around. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Pizza, A Love Story, which is a film that profiles three iconic pizza restaurants in New Haven, Connecticut, Pepe's, Sally's, and Modern. Light Flex, I was excited to see this in the lineup because I was at the New Haven Film Festival a few years ago and screened alongside the creators of this film, and I also got to taste all the pizzas, and I can confirm that they're all delicious, so go check it out. 
You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by creators for consumers to consume so they can hopefully turn around and create, thus also making them creators, making a wonderful cycle of loveliness for years to come. So why do I need Nebula if I've already got CuriosityStream? Well, my friends, the answer is simple. CuriosityStream is all about big-budget nonfiction videos, and Nebula is a place for smaller indie, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original C-word, that's content, from creators like Laura Crone, Adam Neely, and the one and only Lindsay Ellis. You like that? That's synergy, baby. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you get the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to the goods. We're back. We're back. Yes, we're back. Talking about Sunday in the Park with George, which takes place over a series of Sundays um, between 1880 in the park, park, believe it or not. You would think it might be somewhere else, but no, they they give it to you right up front. It is literally at a park. They deliver. Uh, (laughs) Yes, they do. They deliver on the promise of there being a park Uh, between the years 1884 and 1886. And it primarily focuses on the artist, a fictionalized artist of the real artist, George Seurat. And uh, as we said in the beginning of the show, his uh, muse, who is an um, named, who's called Dot in this, there is like a real Dot. life counterpoint uh, for Dot uh, in this. But uh, she, was, Dot she was not is, named Dot, I believe. No, no, her name was Madeline Noblock. No, no it's and a very she cheeky, was, like ha ha ha. He was inspired by Dots. Yeah, Dots. Get it? Wink. I mean, I, I tell myself with that one, like the. The name Dorothée, which is the French version of Dorothy, is the Dots and oh, right. that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try okay. and make this one work. Right. Okay, it works. <laughs> like, it works. It's a little cheeky, it's but yeah, but yeah. So uh, we start out on the island of Le Grand Jatte, which is just uh, right outside the perimeters of Paris at the time, and mm-hmm. we meet George and Dot, and he is sketching Dot um, for a study for this new painting that he is working right. on. And as that is happening, we're kind of being variously introduced to different uh, figures who will come to be in the painting a Sunday afternoon of the island of the Grand Shot. There's his mother and her nurse. There are two shop girls. There's soldiers. There's uh, and a famous artist is how he is referred to, who's clearly a composite character and his wife, their servants. So, yes, yes, that is like the basic sprawl that is the beginning of Sunday in the park with George. And it's, a, and it's a funny, it's a clever conceit to me actually, as well, as far as just taking it and being like, who are all the characters in this painting? And then just coming up with a story about them. There was a, uh, a game we used to play. You still play sometimes. It's a hmm. writer's game. It's called snap judgment. And have you ever heard of this game before? It sounds vaguely familiar, but do go on. It's like you, you play it in, in traffic or like when you're waiting in line somewhere and you're looking around and then you, you see someone and then you come up with a whole, you can't just be like, Oh, that guy is like, you know, cheated he's on his du- wife. You're like, right. Yeah. It has to be <laughs> like, no, like- he wants to cheat on his wife, but he's never done it before. And that's why he's sure. wearing those shoes. Cause those are the ones that she got him for his 35th birthday. But eventually he's, so the idea is to sort of come up with some insane, really specific story based on like the random things you see. Sure. Uh, by the way, I highly recommend it. It's very fun when you're just sitting around trying to kill time. It's a good creative exercise. And I feel like he that took that amazing. idea and just like literally wrote a whole fucking Bullets are winning musical around that where he's like, who are all these random ass characters in this gigantic painting and what what brought them there? 
that is kind of like the genesis of what the show was. I think I'd mentioned, yeah, they yeah. were looking at a postcard of it um, and they said it looked like a play. And that kind of is honestly how yeah. they wrote a lot of it. And there's something I neglected to mention earlier in the first act is that this play mm-hmm. was mostly written in workshop. So it's very, it's different than like having the show basically finished and making tweaks, you know, and yeah. and stuff where it is actually like kind of like a living show that is being basically in the case of this show, like changed every day songs are being added constantly. Songs are being taken out constantly. Imagine how stressful that is for like literally everyone. No, I'm going to say that this is basically the standard. So now Hollywood's just going to start saying it's a living show. It's not that we started production and had a release date for our next Star Wars movie before we finished a script. We just wanted to make sure everybody was in place so we can play to their strengths instead of actually doing the work and, you know, stockholders, but that's a whole different story. We didn't underpay (laughs) the VFX artists or anything. It's a living show. Of course they look like crap because it's not done. Changing it on the fly. Done. That's how yeah, art right, is. Right. like jazz. Boop, 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 boop. I don't know. Or whatever right. they would say. Right. So, so um, that said, back to where we were. Uh, basically, the the, the the plot begins with Dot and George. And you can kind of see them at, towards the end of their relationship where you can kind of see they're mm-hmm. already growing apart. You see that Dot is really in love with George at the beginning for his art and George is fascinated by Dot because of the way she catches light, you know, the usual cliches of like what muses are. Um, And as George gets repeatedly more focused and into painting, uh, finishing Sunday afternoon on the island of the grunge shot, he Mm kind of begins to neglect Dot. There's some weird, bitter, unhinged behaviors that start coming out from it. He, you know, he makes promises to her and doesn't keep them and she leaves him. Part of it, too, is like she's starting to like trying to involve herself with him emotionally. Yeah. So she ends up leaving him, even though there's still clearly feelings on both of their behalves for each other. And and of course, in true Angie fashion, there is like a Victorian era, like love triangle that's happening here where she's torn between the painter, who's the artist, who's cool and exciting. And then the baker, who's like the stable, like I'm like the lawyer kind of job where she's like, he pays his bills and he provides food and I can eat it and it's cool. And it's, I can't eat paintings, bro. Yeah. And And so he's a little bit like, fine, fuck that. You want to go at the baker? That's so fucking lame. I'm really cool and artsy and I have a metaphorical motorcycle and an earring and long hair. Right, Um, right, right. Uh, like as, and, and, and there's also like this whole like subplot where she doesn't know how to read. And after she breaks up with him, she starts teaching yes. herself how to read. Cause like what, what I like about this show a lot is that, um, a lot of artist muse things are not necessarily about the self-actualization of the muse. Usually she is like this fully formed person that is meant mm-hmm. to like, y- y- and it's usually a woman and a man. Like that's just how a lot yeah. of these tropes go. It's usually the woman is the one that gives him you know, self-actualization. And that does happen in this, but so much of the story is about Dot self-actualizing, which is what I really, really like about it. You know, it's yeah, about her yeah. realizing her worth uh, as a unique individual. But so anyway, yeah. uh, she, it's spoiler alert, like hot peak drama, Dot ends up uh, being pregnant. And uh, she ooh. is, of course, impregnated bum, by bum, George. Bum. George wants nothing to do. <laughs> like George, George. And then they go on the Maury like, Povich show. To yeah, they go. <laughs> <laughs> then, then it gets real weird. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're on the CW. Um, but uh, he's no, no, convinced so like, it's the Baker's. He's like, it's not mine. It's it belongs to the Baker. But that's just he's telling himself a lie because he knows yeah. it's clearly like he knows it's his kid, but like he doesn't yeah. want to commit to that. Um, and then so basically, she leaves for America with Louis the Baker, who gets a job with these American tourists. Before she does, he, he the final insult is that like at one point <gasps> oh. she, he had painted her in this. Uh, are they bathing? Is that what it was? I'm trying to remember. Powdering yourself. It's, it's so oh, powdering it's, yourself. Right. Yes. Yeah. He did a painting of her and powdering herself 
Sorry, that she keeps I asking for you. it, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, she's like, can I have that painting? I'd like it." Blah blah blah. Yeah. And then he's, and then by the end of it, before she leaves, he's like, "Oh no, I painted over it because you wouldn't stand still, so I had to get like yeah. a better model." Which is pretty fucking awful, frankly. Right, like, right. It's one thing; that it's almost worse than like cheating on her. Like it's like right. kind of like I de-immortalized you from like it's. I was like, "Oh, that's fucking that's petty shit." Yeah, that was like absolutely. Uh, brutal like almost like it's like okay well, you know you're a bad dad and you're gonna step away that's like one thing yeah, it's still at very least shitty go get a but pack also, of cigarettes and leave don't like right, ruin right. your lives extra in the process um but again that is a reference to a real Syrah painting um of Madeline Noblock called woman powdering herself uh it's briefly shown in the second act when they're doing like their little mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself did he here, actually but, yeah. do that he didn't did he actually do that in real life that he he painted her out and changed her into something else no it was always of as far no, no. as I'm aware it was always of okay. Madeline Noblock but like it's it's okay. it's it just it's fudging around a little bit with reality sure you know? sure like, sure some, yeah I got you some dropping some art history references in there right um love it love it yeah. So that's the last insult. She's like leaving with Louie. And then the first act ends with him kind of just like chilling with his mom, who's kind of like his the only person who he's really close to and can kind of Does she be have vulnerable. Like Alzheimer's or something. Kind of. It seems she, like she kept like not remembering him every time. Would show I up. think she's just yeah. Like, I think she's just old, Senile. you know, like yeah. she's just I think she's meant to represent like just one getting older and that things change in your memory of things. You know, mm-hmm. like there's there's something like I had thought about yesterday that, again, I will get into later that like was really mm-hmm. powerful to me about the show that I had not really picked up on uh, until rewatching it again recently. Um, I don't know how okay. intentional it was or not, but uh, I'll get to that. Um, Excited to hear <laughs> but, it. Yeah. So he basically is just like has this conversation with his mom about what is actually beautiful. And it's not the things that we sit in the moment and realize are beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like the memory that we make of them, essentially, is what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that happens. Sunday is finished. And that's the end of Act One. And there was a reason why I didn't tell you what Act Two was about. But also at the end of Act One, because these characters are sort of coming in and out. There's all these other small subplots that like aren't really yeah, yeah. important. They're just sort of like there's like a girl who's dating a fucking pillow soldier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a love pillow soldier. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then by the end of it, the composition comes into place as far because yeah. they're, you know, the setting is them at the park. So they're kind of coming in and out. But the, I mean, yeah. I, this is an important detail because I just think it's like it culminates nicely where like they're all sure. of a sudden everyone's in their proper position yes. that, that they end up in the final painting at the end of act one. And like in yeah. that sort of tableau and then it ends. And then when it opens yeah. back up for act two, they're like, you can't even see my head. I'm turned around. And yeah. then some, like, people are sort of complaining, complaining about where they're placed. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of fucking like about- background extras, like wanting more dialogue. Like, shut the fuck right. up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or like, I like the detail of like, um, uh, the one, the, the, the famous artist complaining about not being in perspective, um, and yeah. being trapped. <laughs> like there's such like a, a great, like bit of body horror in that song. Cause like, yeah, the, the second yeah. act opens with all of the figures a hundred years later, Mm-hmm. In the painting, hanging at the Art Institute of Chicago in, in 1984, yeah. just like mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, like, oh, furthermore, finding your fading is very degrading, you know, like it's, it's <laughs> like like a very, a very fun song that just kind of uh, starts the second act. And then like basically the painting starts fading and all of the characters kind of explain that George has died alone, essentially. And yep. at you know, like 31, uh, I think they said at 31, he died very he's young. 31 years old. Yeah, right. Um, no, I don't think there was ever any known reason how he died, but I think the suspicion was like meningitis or something like that. And Madeline, mm. his, his his mistress and model, Madeline Noblock, also died very shortly after him, right, along with right. their kid. They did have a kid, and the kid died too. Right. I think they might have had two I kids. I think I read actually. that he had two kids, yeah, is what I was yes, reading. He yeah. had two kids that both died. Poor guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. So uh, it's very, 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 very sad, very sad. Uh, blending of uh, fiction and reality but, there. But in this but, story, this is not that's not what happens. The uh, the tra- after they move to what did you say? Charleston? Is that where it was? They moved. To, yeah, Dot and Louie moved to Charleston. Um, so she has her baby with George, whose name is Marie, which is very cute because it's named after the kind of like the Dick and Jane figures of uh, Dot's grammar book. So she teaches herself to read mm, like okay, the girl's right, right. name Marie. And so she names her Marie after that. <laughs> and so the second act after we've had this explanation of what's happened to George, uh, mm-hmm. we are at the Art Institute of Chicago and it's 1884 and George Seurat's great grandson. 1984. Thank you so much. Thank you. so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time's a tricky thing. Uh, George's uh, great grandson, also named George, is kind of like a, a sculptural, like visual artist, conceptual who, artist, yeah, yeah. conceptual artist who's giving this presentation in uh, in honor of uh, a Sunday afternoon on the island of the Grand Jatte with his chromolome. Mm. It's this like big. Yeah. light machine that has like it's a synthesizer big, like, yeah. studio yeah, it, 54 type shit where like <laughs> right <laughs> like it's like a weird alien spaceship thing like that he's trying right to right and like uh um so like he's he's doing that and he is a very he's he's i think what people would consider a successful artist but like he's kind of hitting mm-hmm. like this mid-30s crisis he's like the same age as george basically was in the first act yeah he doesn't believe his his, he, he presents this thing with his grandma Marie, who is again George Seurat's daughter in this, mm-hmm. and uh, she, you know, she's the one that maintains like, yes, we are related to him. Yes, like this is our fa- like right. a Sunday afternoon on the island. No, of the there's Grinch. no proper proof, so he's yeah. just like, oh, I don't know, like that's just my crazy old grandmother. She could be right. full of shit. And I should say, of course, George is played by Mandy Patinkin in the second act. Yes. He plays both Georges, and Marie is played by Bernadette Peters in this act. Right. And she's you know in her little old lady outfit. She also plays Dot, very, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who plays? Yes, Brenda plays plays Dot. She plays Marie in this. Actually, um, all the characters from the first act are also in the second yes. act, but they just play variations of those characters and like a yeah, hundred yeah. years later, essentially. Right, like all the characters from the first act are playing. Like, there's the museum director. There's uh, yeah. the woman who writes the music for it, Naomi, right. who's a very fun like character, like with her little goth hair and just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not wanting to be there. Uh, but so basically we find that George is very successful, but he's kind of, you know, this is his like eighth chromolum, a chromolum, chromolum. <laughs> I'm so bad at saying it. And you can tell no, that he's kind of, word. he's getting kind of frustrated with the business, with feeling like he's not making anything new and just like the politics of, of making art are exhausting to him. And he's going through a divorce right. with his wife and like, yeah, you know, he's just kind of like hit a drift, you know, and Marie yeah. maintains like, no, this is so, so this, 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 this painting that we have is important. It's our family. And he doesn't quite believe her. And then mm-hmm. she passes away before they can go to Paris together to show the chromolome on the grand shot. And yep. uh, basically he's a uh, circle. Yeah, he's at, he's in Paris. He's reading. He's on the Grand Jatte, and of course, there's buildings on it now. And it's like, can we even see any By trees the way, anymore? For all you TNG fans, his technical assistant is Brent Spiner, who essentially yes. plays Data, which I thought was fantastic. Right. <laughs> he's just like, like, I'm oh. sorry, I couldn't get the regulator of the whatever Japanese computer to work. I was trying to make right. it blah blah blah. I was just waiting for Jordan to show up. Right. Just be like, if I can, you know, like some techno babble, maybe if oh, we can even- reroute the whatever compartments into the other thing. Can blah, blah, right. blah 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 blah. Well, in the first act, he plays like this German like servant guy named Franz. And the accent to me is like every time there's like a holodeck episode of The Next Generation where like dad is playing. Oh, my like, God. A that's totally Holmes what it should have been. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's what that is. Oh, um, my God. Please bring yeah. back TNG for one episode just to do a holodeck. Please, episode. please. <laughs> begging you. Um, Sunday oh in the God. park with Ada. Uh, Amazing. Uh, uh, but uh 
Uh, so yeah, so uh, he's uh, data. I'm just calling him data. Is like, hey, you should yeah, look at data. that. Yeah, he's like, you should look at that grammar book your grandma was always carrying around. And like, he mm-hmm. opens it and basically has like this little like sad monologue about how there's nothing of what he thought he would have, you know, how he's outgrown everything, you know, there's nobody really there for him anymore. Um, And then all of a sudden he's visited by like this apparition. It gets into very magical realism uh, Mm -hmm. moods here where dot actually visits him and Mm -hmm. basically like kind of lets him know that she's forgiven him and all and like loves the, what like he gave her. She's talking to him as the spirit of George from 1880, whatever. So it's like, yes, kind of, I guess at that point he's kind of possessed by George Seurat. Sure. Like they're all, yeah. So it's like double apparition. It's like somehow they're talking to. It's fine. It works. It, it it's, sounds it's, insane, it works, but yeah. it kind of. But it, yeah, it's not that crazy when you actually see it. Yeah, in the moment it, it works, and so it basically sense, yeah. it's they both realize that like you know who they were will always belong to the other person, and that however badly things might have ended you learn things and then you kind of, you know, you get back up, you brush yourself off, you start the deal over Mm -hmm. again and you move on. And that is like, kind of like the, the big message that like, yeah, like things, a lot of the shows about being present and being in the moment, you know, which is ironic about, because it's about a a painting that lasts, you know, ostensibly forever, you know, like about making this permanent thing. But the important thing is to live in the moment and to not dwell too much on the past you know and mm-hmm. so or the future yeah so that happens uh george is kind of surrounded by everyone that was in the painting in the first act and then it ends kind of with him in front of a white canvas and yeah just being like seeing so many new possibilities in the world yeah. and that that's the plot that of sunday in the park with george yeah, yeah white that's, uh, that's sunday the in the park. His favorite. And it's monday morning suddenly he's like oh fuck man it's monday and then like he unlearns everything social media job yeah yeah uh, yeah he immediately <laughs> forgets all of it and it's just like oh god no and i did i did i i didn't want to tell you the the conceit of act two really badly because mm-hmm. like a lot of people either i was gonna really say it seems two. to be very yeah it's like a it's or, a hot topic yeah. it's very hot, it's hot, contested and divided f- opinion about it yes Yes, I personally, I love Act 2. The more, the older I get, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, Act 2 is the better act, actually. So, like, um, and I say this as this being, like, one of my, my, my favorite shows of all time. But, like, um, uh, I, I, a lot of it is because, I, and you can feel it, and it is, like, I guess my criticism of this show, because I love it, but I can see where people uh, have bones to pick with it, is that mm. it does feel like a workshop show. Like, and a lot mm. of, t- two of the big songs uh, in the second act, um, lesson number eight the one that george sings right before he's visited by dot's ghost or whatever yeah um and children in art which is what marie sings at the museum were added like Mm -hmm. super last minute like the second act was like basically not formed until it had moved to broadway from playwrights horizons yeah so yeah it's it's very like touch and go and there's some elements to it uh, to the book at least that like you can kind of feel that strain and it, and, and for mm-hmm. me it doesn't bother me because so much of the show is meant to be conceptual and not taken literally like right that like i can i can abide by it but i can see why it like so it, is like, the concern about like how it's they feel like it's not fully formed or they just not even like the idea that like it's a hundred years later and it's his descent is that the problem do you know th- what like what is the criticism i think it's a little bit of both um okay like some people just think like what what was the point of that this is very or this is very silly and um you know kind of the first act is presented way more as a as a, a grounded historical drama versus like mm-hmm. 
this it's it's kind of like the same way that people don't like the second act of into the woods. Like mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing is like the first act feels like a complete story to some people. And yeah, yeah. like the second act feels like a why for some people who don't like it. I didn't mind it. I didn't dislike it. I weirdly enough, I thought when I was watching it, I was like, Oh, it would have been kind of interesting to start with this. Oh As yeah. Like really? Re- reverse framing device. I was, I don't mm. know. Cause again, I, I tend to re- like edit everything as I watch it, but I was like, Oh, it would sure. be kind of cool to see this like at the beginning. And then you sort of, sure. Cut. Back to all yeah. that story, and then you sort of you bookend it with those. I was like, but that's film. That's not really how you do it in musicals. Yeah, but I mean, that's sort I of like what I that. thought of. I like that it begins the way that it ends. You know, with George in front of a white canvas. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, that's mm-hmm. enough of a the only bookends that for me that I personally needed. But like, um, no, you could eat the, 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 going through. So there's this fantastic book that was released. I think just maybe about a year ago, written by James mm-hmm. Lapine, and it's called Putting It Together, and it is about the yeah. entire making of Sunday in the Park with George, and. Um, it's fantastic because one, he has interviews with like literally every person that worked on this show. Like he found them all for the most part, nice. except for like one person who like for an actor who just like quit and didn't talk to anybody afterwards ever again. Um, but like, so it's all about the process of making it. But um, one of the women who is in the ensemble, she plays one of the shop girls. Uh, mm-hmm. She was like, I remember singing this one line about it being hot up here and someone in the audience was like, yeah, this sucks like out loud. And like, you know, they're having people, they're having people leave playwrights horizons, like every single show, there are people quitting. There's people being like brutal in the audience and nobody being really sure what was going to come out of this at all. You know, <laughs> like the fact that they were like, even like, um, there's some really funny anecdotes, uh, where all of the actors were like, we're used to just having directors tell us exactly what they want out of a role. And this show was so underwritten when they joined this workshop that they were constantly asking for questions. And James Lapine was having them play like improv games, which apparently like I'm not a professional actor, but like so much of all the shows that I have done, like have involved doing improv games to help build character and, and and find things or just get more in your body. And like, most of the people were just so put off by this. Like they were like, what the fuck is James Lapine doing? Why is he making us, making us play zip, zab, zop? I want to play zip, zab, zop. What the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> which is very, very funny to me. Cause I feel like, yeah, like in 2022, everyone's doing improv now against their wills for the most part. But you yeah. know, <laughs> like, yeah, like, so base this, this was kind of just, I think nobody knew if it was going to really work until it did. And yeah. <laughs> and then it won the Pulitzer. And then it won the Pulitzer. They were genuinely shocked by that, you know, cause the Tonys had been kind of a shutout, you know, for them, even though they, I think they were the most nominated show that year, but Lacage swept everything nonetheless. Um, but yeah, the, the Pulitzer thing, I think they were both just kind of James Lapine and Sondheimer like, Going Oh by, yeah, not, did not expect that coming. Um, but yeah, lots, lots uh, of touch and go. Yeah. I was, so I was going to ask you, you, it's funny. You, you mentioned this earlier and I, actually that was going to be one of my questions specifically to you, mm-hmm. which is what, what did you, yeah, remind me again, you're like, what, 1920 when you see this for the first time? I saw this for the first time when I was just about to turn 18, right before I turned 18. Um, okay. 18. Yeah. So, and it's like bonded to you. So it's like forever yeah. crystallized in amber to a certain extent as part of like your whole identity because it's something you right. love. But, which, right. you know, we all have plenty of those things that we're like, it doesn't matter yeah. as we get older. Even if it's like cringe now, it's like this thing right. I just love forever because it's so important to me. But my question to you, which again, it sounds like mm-hmm. you've already got this ready, is like, what did you notice now watching it as like a, you know, 30 something with a child and a husband and further along in your life, as opposed to somebody who's like, I'm really focused on making art and I can't settle down. Like, did it it hit you differently? Did you, did you feel differently watching it? Did you notice something that you hadn't noticed before? I'm really curious. 
I, I mean, I, I feel like every time I watch the show, there's something, some new takeaway that I get from it. But for this time around, a lot of it was in the second act. And even, but also, this also ties a bit to George's mother in the first one. And even going back to what you said about her, you know, memory and whatnot. But like, mm-hmm. uh, so, so much of pointillism is in the show thematically, not just in the music, but I think in, 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 in concepts that exist. And there's the scene in the second act where Marie is looking at the painting and there's like some rich donor and her douchebag boyfriend, like trying to talk mm-hmm. to her. And she says something and the boyfriend guy goes, you keep saying that. And she goes, yeah, yeah. I, I, I family say that is a all lot. we leave behind or something. Yeah. 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 She says, right? It's like family's all you have. Like the only worthwhile things to leave behind in this world are children and art. Um, like, and she says those things a lot. And even like the idea of George's mom, just having the same kind of ideas that she keeps going back to, you know, like mm-hmm. that, like mm-hmm. that these are people towards the end of their life. And they have these certain frames of reference that are, are very important to them. You know, however, mm-hmm. sadly they may be that they're just, just from getting older, whether it is like actual memory loss, uh, they have these fragments of ideas. Uh, and so you look at Sunday, the painting itself, and there's only eight or nine mm-hmm. pigments in it, you know, and it, it really is just how the same few things yeah. are lay next to each other to film mm-hmm. this whole insane picture. Um, and just like, that they're just these key things about us that, you know, might feel like I don't know how to let go of them or they are, this is just a core part of my identity. And it feels like, you know, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, I think I'm just a lot more simple than I ever thought I was and not in a bad way, but just that we have these <laughs> right, like, right. certain things about us that lay next to each other in different arrangements. And it creates this thing that is wild and complicated and on such a grand scale, but it all comes from like these, just this handful of things about us, you know? Unlike how we configure them is is how we paint things, you know, how we paint our reality. Like, and like that hit me really hard this time around. That's very beautifully articulated. Right. I was just like, fuck. Like, I love the song. The older I get, I used to hate, not hate the song Children in Art, but that's again, the one that Marie sings at the art museum. Cause I thought it was mm-hmm. like, this one's kind of slow, but the older I get, the more I'm like, Again, going back to this motif of, of 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 simple things building somebody very complicated. So Marie is basically the representation of Dot in the second act. You know, she is the continuation mm-hmm. of Dot's character. Yeah. We see her success as a person. You know, she has this cool daughter who was a floor door girl. At one point, she says that you know, yeah, who's yeah, lived yeah. this long life. Um, but um, in Children in Art, she you know says she keeps seeing Mama in throughout the whole painting and not just in like dot in that but like just she sees mama everywhere and then you know you don't you don't really get to talk to act two dot until the end of act two but like um in children art marie has this line mama was funny mama was fun mama spent money and there was none and it's just like again very simple how that's such a brilliant character sketch for three lines like that tells you so Mm -hmm. much about who dot still was after george like Again, going back to why I love this show so much is this is about Dot as much as it is about George, you know, and just like Mm. how I don't know, it's just like so deeply touching to me that like you can take these very simple ideas about a person and use them powerfully, you know, because like a lot of these characters, as as we've said, are are just, you know, kind of empty concepts, you know, they're just there to flesh things out. But like the broad picture that they paint at the end is like what's so fulfilling about that and like I, I don't know like just the simplicity of there are a few things about you and it could, could, could be a very scary and dark idea if you twist it the wrong way but like that yeah, there's yeah, these key yeah. things about you that like live on forever and they're they're not necessarily the biggest ideas or or like the most epic of ideas but like that they paint this picture you know 100 years later in time like 
I, I think about how you talk about like older family members that you maybe passed yeah. away when you were younger or that you only mm-hmm. heard about through your relatives, right, you know, right, and, right, and right, they right. still loom so large in your head. Like they are these epic yeah. characters in your head. And like Very that, that so. to me is what I really sat with this time around. Like, yeah. especially like, cause I'm, I'm going through like cleaning out my mom's house. We're selling it finally. And, uh, you know, I've, I've found so much stuff that I've not seen since I was, you know, maybe 13 or 14 or 15 years old. And just like what I remembered of the context of, of some of these items, whether it's clothing or photos or just, you know, knickknacks that we had around the house is so small, but like there are those, like those big underlying ideas with each of these little things. Like this is what my dad gave me when I broke my, you know, or when I threw my back out and was in the hospital, Mm -hmm. you know, or this is like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, like they just, it's little things that make these big statements. And that's what's so much about this this, this, that's what really touched me about the show. Sorry, I'm trying not to cry. Yeah. Actually, I'm like, damn. Like, no, yeah. Okay. So, so that was what really stuck with me this time like around. Said, <laughs> very, very beautifully put. It's, it's yeah. Really, I hadn't thought of that at all. I, I like yeah. that a lot, though. These little things yeah. that sort of blend together. I hadn't made that connection. That's really nice. Yeah. These little, these little dots of, but <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. So like, that's that's what's really stuck with me this time around. Um, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, even the idea of like children in art at first, I remember being younger in college and being like, well, that's pretty limiting. And like, I don't think mm. children in art is meant to be taken literally. Like art is cause you, the, the ending, the ending line of anything you do, let it come from you. Then it will be new. Uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that even George, the Georgia, the second act is making sculpture slash engineering as art is like art can mean anything. Art is what comes from us. You know, art is not sure. necessarily, what we, you know, put on a canvas, but what comes from us, from our own, you know, what, 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 what we are inspired to make, you know, that is art, whether it's, yeah, yeah, whether it's, you know, something literal, like the visual arts or whatever you do with your life, like, yeah, that is your art. And that is what's meaningful. And children, children aren't even just like, you got to have kids, otherwise you're not fulfilled, but it's just like, what do we pass on to the next generation? Like what, what, what legacies do we leave behind? And like, it could even you be, know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a child that you birth. It could be you right, know, exactly somebody that you exactly. mentor or like right. or you adopt or whatever. Somebody that like you pass that you love and that you care for and that you pass on. That right. Could be whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 how we affect the next generation and what we make with our time, I think, is what that is saying, you know, and like those are the two mm-hmm, big important mm-hmm. things. And now also having a kid and. Yeah, again, just thinking about children in art and, you know, Marie singing about her mom. And I think about my mom now who's getting up there in years. And it's just kind mm-hmm. of like this is like me telling my mom's story to somebody else is also my mom's story. You know, like her story is not ended just because it's me telling it. You know, it it, it is going through a filter so of me that is ultimately that making it new. Like a, yeah. yeah, like it's like this show is one of those shows that like I, 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 I don't know, like if I sit and think about it too long, I get like really in my head. But um, yeah. That that's what I was sitting with there. Uh, I don't know. I remember. I remember um, what cemented Sunday as a show for me. Um, that would like I think haunt me for life. Um, I had already really mm-hmm. loved it, but uh, towards the my senior year of college, I had gotten like what I will consider like my first true like heartbreak. Like just had my heart absolutely broken, and I remember mm-hmm. just sitting there uh, and just on a whim deciding to put on Sunday in the park with George to to just to listen mm-hmm. to it, and I got to move on. And just like this idea also that like. I don't know. There's so many things that like, as you start getting older, really jump out to you in this show. But mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the idea that like, obviously there's some ways that people are going to hurt you that you do not owe them forgiveness or, and but like that, right. that a lot of times there are things in life that pan out badly, whether it's a relationship 
or mm-hmm. a, a work project or just something that you try to do with your life. And like the idea that like it can only either be gone or a good thing is, you know, so reductionist that a lot of things that have hurt us are what make us who we are and what make us Gosh, I'm like getting so choked up thinking about this right now. Like, but like the things that have gone badly are not inherently useless or they're not necessarily like how they how how they manifest in us as adults aren't necessarily bad. Like we mm-hmm. don't have to look at bad experiences, only bad experiences, sure. you know, because because like what, what what stops you from making things? It's like this will end badly for me, at least like that's the anxiety, yeah. you know, that the like this of, will, the fear of ending it poorly or looking stupid or yes, know, not being yeah. good enough to do it in the first place. You're talking about exactly. art specifically. You're talking about just art, anything art specifically, but honestly in general, like what keeps us yeah. like, what makes us hesitate. And it's, it's, I think being burned by the past in a lot of ways. Um, sure. And, yeah. and so it's much easier to make art as a kid than it is. In as, right. As an exactly. You no exactly. Reference. You're just like, ah, yeah, fuck it, whatever. I'm gonna draw this card. It's the best card ever drawn. I drew right, it. Exactly. Again, children and art leaving behind a, a childlike mentality for all to follow. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I remember just being like, I'd gotten my heart broken and didn't know what I was going to be doing after school. And just like hearing that again, was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I, I'll have to survive this. And it, it's, it's so th- weird. Cause like, those are comparatively minor things in, in like the list of bad things that had happened to me in my life mm-hmm. at that point, sure. you know, but it feels it's like not the that... biggest thing ever at that time. At the, if it's your first <laughs> right, one, exactly. right? You have no fucking, again, no point of reference. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, this is yeah. like insane. Like your whole body shuts down. Right. Like I remember people not liking me in high school and thinking like that was bad. And then like getting my actual like heartbroken and then just being like, yeah. this fucking sucks, man. Like I, this yeah. sucks. And, uh, you know, still, still not having a plan about what I was going to do with my life in, in any mm. direction after that. And, um, just the idea of like, you'll move on as long as you learn to move on with yourself. Like it, it's so much of this is about living yep. in the present again, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just yeah, being yeah. like, you, you just, you kind of got to do it. I mean, that's, that's such a, it's a cliche, like, you know, no day, but today is a huge part of rent. But like at the same time, it is kind of like, you're not going to get shit done living in the past. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there is sort of a, uh, problem with the way that George does it in the first half, right. In act one where he's almost like so super hyper-focused on the present, to yeah. an extent where he is ignoring things that are literally happening around him at the same time as well, which is kind of yeah. an interesting like contrast to what you're saying. It's that like he's yeah. actually like too much in a specific moment that doesn't encompass all the moments that he's experiencing. Yes, and, yes. And he allows yeah. love to slip through his fingers and like this person that clearly cares for him and, right. and loves what he does and sees him for who he is and what he's doing and is inspired right. by him. He just he's just like, I can't. I have to look at the way that this light is hitting right. the I have whatever, to finish the, the face hat. of this person. Yeah, I have to yeah. Yeah. look I made a hat. Yeah, where there never yeah. was a hat. Oh man. Oh yeah. Yeah, there is such a thing as being like too in the present. I guess it's I, I don't know. Is it is it being in the present if for George is hmm, I'm like thinking I, I I don't think being in the present is necessarily like the wrong takeaway from it. I'm just saying like it's, sure. you can use it as a spectrum of like here are examples of somebody who's so in the moment, he's just oh, like, right, almost sure. hyper, like just sort of like hyper focused on a moment that he doesn't. It's almost like tunnel vision. And he can't see all the other right. moments happening simultaneously. Sure. And I think it's gotcha. that's part of what the problem. I mean, that's what leads to him, you know, succeeding and making something that's iconic that lasts outlasts him right. for hundreds of years. But right. at the same time, it's sort of at, at the expense of the moment in a way. Right. There's there's, sure. there's a paradox there of some sort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Sorry, I don't think like, it's one or the other. I'm saying I think it's, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's like both is what I'm saying. I, I think it's both things simultaneously at the same time. I, I agree with you. I'm just getting like lost in my thought because that's all that happens to me when I think about this show. I'm like, God, 
damn it. Like <laughs> that's so Sondheim like, to get lost in your own thoughts. <laughs> I know. I'm just like stuck in like stuck in the trees here right now. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh my God. I'm like, you might have to take the reins on this one. I'm like, I'm like, what next? <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see what other like crazy, weird, beautiful thing you can articulate. So I'm like, I don't have anything cool sure. to say. You're you're um, going. Oh you're, you're taking the charge here. I'm like, fuck it. I'm here. Let's go on this ride. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, I think everyone listening's probably here for it too. Yeah, I did. I did. I did want to know what what it, what because you know it's funny. I, I had a, fr- a couple of friends who just started listening to the podcast and they were going yeah. through and listening to um hate to say it the Phantom episodes and they were like, uh, oh my gosh. I love how they're like, I love how much Kaveh hates when people sing at the same time. And I was like, there's actually not a lot of that in this Because I was like, oh, right. There is a lot of that in company. <laughs> like, as we were talking yeah. about company, I was like, oh, fuck. I was going to hate that. But I'm like, a actually, there's not a, not a lot of it in this one. All things considered, which you would think, you know. Kind of. There's kind of a lot of anxiety singing in it for me, my personal A lot of anxiety. Particularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially like, uh, the, uh, what was the song? It's like art is hard is what he's singing. I think right in the second oh, it's like, act. Artist is, oh, 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 putting it together. Yeah. The bit, I, oh, putting, bit it together. putting it together. I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth. I had to turn it off for a minute. Cause it was giving me a oh panic my attack. God. It was like, oh, no. it was stressing me out so much. Oh, I had to like stop it and like take a moment. Oh, my. Cause I was like, cause there's was like, like there's, it's just like building and building. And I was just like, Oh, I was like, okay, fuck this. I got to turn it off. I was like, I got to, I gotta walk away from this for a second because uh, this is stressing me the fuck out. Like it's very just, uh, just, just from a noise point of view, or from like yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Just like it just it, was the like sound. there was too many. Yeah, yeah. There was just there's just so many sounds happening. And this is like a oral. I mean, oral, not like speaking, but like hearing yes. wise kind of thing. Where yes. I'm like, I as I've mentioned before, I'm a little bit crazy, and I tend to get like hyper fixated on certain sounds that are like maybe two sure. miles away, and then I can't hear what someone's saying in front of me, like. I have sure, fucked up sure, weird sure. super hearing. So, uh, that, wow, that's that your, that's your X-Men power. So <laughs> yeah, it's You're, like a, it's a power and a curse at the same time. I'm, I'm so sorry, but yeah, I can imagine it with, with that context. Yes. That song. Yes. One, that, it, song, it, it, that song really stressed me out. The, the whole thesis of it is about being stressed out. So like, yes. I, on the one hand, Which I'm to like, me, I was success. like, Oh, I get it. I get it. I'm already stressed out. I, don't need this. <laughs> I know. I know. It sucks. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's actually I, I, um, I'll say this generally speaking about it though I I love hearing you talk about it sure uh, a lot more than I did sitting through it and actually sure. watching it sure and I really I wish I I would have gladly and this is more a testament to your the beauty that you speak in the way you've articulated it that I would have Aww. had a lovely time listening to you talk about this in a podcast <laughs> form and having never watched it because it's oh, such a nice experience sure. hearing how you talked about mm-hmm. it because it was very difficult for, and I watched it a couple times as I mm. tend to, but I, I really watched it like a couple, like a few times because mm. I knew it was something that was so important to me, but or so, sure. so important to Aww. you. And I, and Aww. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just like, you know, I, this is cause it's, it's, you know, you're my friend and it's like, I don't want right. to be like, Aww. whatever I watch it once and whatever, like Angie, but it's, sure. like, oh, you're, this, this is something in here that like Angie sees. And I, I just, I couldn't see it really. Like, sure. I, all the stuff you're articulating, I'm like, oh, I didn't get any of that. But I'm like, Aww. that's that's why you have friends. So your friends can sure. like, do this. And right, then you're like, right, oh, right. that's so cool. Like, I didn't think I didn't think about any of that. I don't have that right. kind of complexity in this sense. So it, it's like the Sondheim thing that everyone always says, which unfortunately I'm now part of this sure. cliche of just like, I don't really connect to it. It's like a the term I thought of that I thought was funny. It's like the Sondheim cilantro gene where like everything tastes oh like my so God. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's perfect. <laughs> or it's like uh, the people who can smell asparagus in their urine versus the people. Right, who right, right. And I'm like, I think I just have that gene where I'm like, I sure. get it. Like I can see it. I understand sure, it. Sure. I support my friends who love it. Sure. I just can't connect to it. I just, sure. I don't know what it, there's the only one just I like really. Just George. You can't. <laughs> right, right. The only one, I think the only one that I've connected to that we've watched is, um, is uh, Sweeney, Todd? Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what Sweeney does that Todd say about a, you then? Yeah. Right. That I'm a secret murderer <laughs> who wants to make meat pies of people. Yeah. Um, well, uh, but that being going, said, going, it's, that's why I was like, I don't really have much to contribute. So, and, and that's sure. okay. That's, and I, that's I, totally I'd, ra- I'd rather not be like, turn this into something where I just shit all over something that you like and instead be like, tell me more about why you like it. Cause I clearly don't sure. have like any strong opinion about it. One way or another. Sure. Sure. Um, Oh my gosh. Well, well, in that case, it's I, like, mm, I will I did, say, oh I my did gosh. have a realization though, that I'll, I'll say one more thing too, that I thought was interesting. Uh, okay. And I don't, somebody might've articulated this before, but it was the first time I kind of thought about this mm-hmm. and it's, it's about the tortured artist thing sure. where I realized I was like, cause I don't, I personally like hate tortured artist stories. I don't relate to them even though I am a tortured artist. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just sort of, it just feels like work. You're just sort of like, I'm like, I don't want to watch this cause it's like watching, I, I don't get a catharsis from it. I just sort of, I'm like, this is just exhausting. I live this in my head every day. So like, I don't really want to sit down to watch this. 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I realized it was something interesting. And is that uh, again, just for my realization, people at home have probably already thought of this, but I hadn't thought of this that like the, the, the medium of making something, about an artist, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's a story or a song or a musical mm-hmm. or a film, necessarily mm-hmm. it dictates that the artist must be tortured in order for it to be an interesting story. Sure, <laughs> because right, otherwise right. there's no conflict. And it made me think of of um, of Paul McCartney specifically, mm-hmm. uh, because you saw. Did you see the? Did you see Get Back the the documentary? Yes. Like the thirty thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. hour documentary about the Beatles. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you, it, it, it's really funny to watch because like the way you could argue that like Paul McCartney is probably the most important songwriter of the past like 60 years. Right. Sure, as far as yeah. like somebody, there's a lot of people who are important, about it, but like that's just probably universally just, revered and all yes, that. Like, yeah. Well, has written, oh, sorry, there's a helicopter, uh, has written songs that people are probably going to be singing and listening to for the next 50, 60 years. You could sort of make yeah. a parallel argument about him and our boy, George. Sure, yeah. Uh, not boy George. Yeah. Uh and I was thinking it's really funny. It's like if you were to make a movie about Paul McCartney writing music, it would be the most boring mm-hmm. fucking movie of all time. Because Paul <laughs> right. McCartney seems to be such like a relaxed individual and there's just inherently yeah. no conflict in the way he writes songs. And you watch yeah. the videos of him writing it and you watch all these interviews with him talking about it. And he always seems like sort of like baffled as to how to explain it. He's just like, I don't yeah. know, bro. I just woke up one day and I had yesterday in my head. So I just kind of like yeah. made a song out of it. And I thought that was cool. Or when he's writing, uh, I think it's Get Back, or he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I just like yeah, started yeah, hitting just, this riff and right. just fucking okay. came. And he's just, he's always like apologetic almost. Where he's like, I'm sorry. I wish I had like a better idea yeah. of what it is. Right. It, but it made me realize that like, oh, that's why every story about an artist is about a tortured artist because it's just not fun to watch it otherwise. Right. And yeah. Th- but that's such like a hugely like absent form and a hugely absent kind of story in the stories we talk about when we talk about artists because sure, it's yeah. just not interesting. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, like you either have people like you rarely have someone who is like talented in Paul McCartney. You mostly have like people that are just like insane and like 
have very <laughs> poor taste in judgment, but they still make art and don't like angst sure. about it. And like, right. Like, oh, like, like, oh my gosh. Like looking at like train wreck things like Manos, the hands of fate or even, although I guess I was like, I was like, oh, with waiting for Guffman, Corky is still very tortured, you know? Like, yeah, yes, right. yeah like, uh, but like, yeah. Or you just have people who just have like no filter and aren't, have no self-awareness and just make things. And in a way you're just kind of like, well, good for them, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, good yeah. Good for her. Even for my own personal experience, if I may say mm-hmm. so, that I would call myself an artist because I draw and mm-hmm. I like make things for my. And it's like you are it's an artist. Really, if I were to even try to articulate it, I'm like, really, at the end of the day, more than anything, it's just been like a compulsion, and it's it's a weird sure. thing to try to articulate and like write a story out of. Like, mm-hmm. really, what you're doing is you're if you were to make a story out of it, it's about the story of what's happening in your life and how that leads to it. But to try and articulate it, it has always felt like stupid to me. Like, it's like sure it's pointless. Like it doesn't, like there's, that's why every explanation of it to me always ends up feeling like really annoying and flowery in the sure. word. Because that's the point. That's why you make the thing is because you don't right. know how to communicate that. So you just make right. this thing instead. And then people are always like, but how did you make it? And you're like, that's not the point They just look at the thing. And then right. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Like, this isn't yeah like i i didn't come here to talk I, I drew about this because i don't know how to talk like stop right. trying to make me talk about the thing i drew fuck <laughs> right 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 i mean I in, the, in that sense that makes george very relatable but um <laughs> like right right but uh I'll, i i'm also not a huge fan of like tortured artist stuff just because like i think it's a, it's a reductive way of looking at like an artist's work um mm-hmm. i think like you, it's kind of boring. Like, yeah, so much about the creation of art and what is interesting is not necessarily the artists themselves, but like, yeah, what is going right. on in their lives. And when it's just constant, like, well, I'm, I'm sad and nobody gets me. And you're like, okay, there's only so right. many times I can take this. And the reason why I like Sunday again, because I said this earlier, is just, it's a lot about dot self-actualizing. Like she's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. it's about her becoming her own healthy individual who has value. And even, like, she has like this line where she's like, um, no one is you and no one can be George, but no one is me. No one is me. Like that realization See, is like such this like. Is, this is why I love talking to you about this kind of shit. Cause like mm. I wouldn't have thought that at all, but yeah. you're totally right. Cause I was looking at it from the other angle where I'm like, mm. dude was just an asshole the entire time. And then he like right. came up with a fantasy of this woman to sort of, sort of fucking make himself feel better by the end of it. Of being right. like, no, it's good. You were a dick to me because then it taught me to like read and write properly. Right. And I'm like, right, no, right. You're right. But you're, you're totally right. Like it's such, it's, it's the complete opposite of how I would have thought about it. But I appreciate hearing mm. you saying that. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Cause I'm, the dickhead artist who's probably like too yeah. my own <laughs> And I'm just the one sitting at my power like table. Yours much be- I, actually, I like your interpretation much better than my own. I, it's much more pleasant to oh, listen to. It's much if more. You watch it, this, I, I walk away with it much more like, cool. There's something I can really pull from it rather than sure. projecting my own like anxieties onto it. And it's like hard because like, oh my gosh, I mean, we're, we're already running so long, but like I've, oh, shit. so I saw, it's okay. It's a Sunday in the park with George episode. <laughs> it's a Sunday. Yes. Using this for a while. This is people know. as a treat, as a treat, um, as a treat. Uh, <laughs> so, so in 2008, there was a revival of this that came over from, uh, the West end that I saw. I was 19 when I'd seen it. So I was like right in love with the show. And, uh, mm. Daniel Evans was the name of the actor who played George both George's in this and he plays it entirely differently than Mandy Patinkin. Like Mandy Patinkin is very like Saturnine in the first act and just like, just so angsty and like brooding. Daniel Evans played him in this almost like charismatic way that like totally changed it for me. It was just like, it went from being like this cold, you know, asshole to someone who is just so enthusiastic about themselves uh, that Uh, they don't realize that they're kind of alien. 
Yeah, like like it, he's not like he's not he's not the Quentin Tarantino affect, yeah, but it's just like this person that is so in their own head about themselves and doesn't understand why other people are not as excited about what they are excited about, you know? Cuz like so much of Manny Patinkin's George is like I have to get this done, I have to get this done and it it does feel like it's like an impulse, you know, whereas like yes. yeah. this Daniel Evans's George was very much like also about it, you know, like it was just like, this is my life and I love it. And this is what I do. And if you're not on board, then you can, you know, suck my balls, you know, that kind of <laughs> it had that kind of frantic energy to it. That was like really, really interesting. That was such a God, that was such a beautiful, beautiful production. It's, it's one cool. of my favorite things I've ever seen. Um, I, I had a uh, I had a great idea for a pitch, which uh-huh. sounds insane. But if they were to make a film version of it, the thing I kept thinking of was social network. So I was like, you oh, get yeah. David Fincher to direct yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book with George written by Aaron Sorkin. Cause there's oh, a lot of that like insane staccato talking. And he's also this sure. person who like doesn't give a shit whose feelings he hurts in the way. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a lot like social network in that sense, except he never becomes a billionaire. He just is like, he just dies at 30. So it's like if Mark Zuckerberg died at 31. <laughs> oh man. Can you imagine? We would be like, Oh man, the lost genius of Mark Zuckerberg, you know, right. it, like, it'd be a completely different trajectory. We'd like, huh. And everyone's like, like, you know, that would be a fun one to see. (laughs) That would be really fun. Like somebody was like um, uh, on on Twitter a couple of days ago, I was mentioning something about Sunday in the Park with George and like how I was like, oh, well, absolutely. You know, not to shoehorn Andrew Garfield into playing tortured artists now, but like he can say we can finally make Sunday in the Park with George. He can be George. (laughs) Fuck it. Let's do it. And someone was like, oh, man, if they made a movie out of it, my idea would be. You know, to have them whole like the whole movie become more and more animated as time went on and unreal oh, okay. and like especially as you get into the second act, like more dreamy and surreal to like kind of push against the actual art being made in the first act. And I'm like, I hadn't really thought like I, I joke about like getting Jane Campion Sunday in the park with George uh, like that. <laughs> that is like be very that is, slow. Like, yeah, <laughs> be very slow, uh, very slow, very slow. I think I think. You know, going back to it now, uh, Sunday's too talky for Jane Campion. But um, yeah, I'm telling you, it's an Aaron Sorkin script. It's, it's an Aaron, Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin with David Fincher. That's what it is. I That's the only way to do it. Oh, oh you're probably right. Um, yeah, no, uh, but uh, um, just Jesse Eisenberg playing fucking. Oh George. my god! If you were the inventor of pointillism, you'd have invented pointillism. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, now sorry, I hate I Sunday. Um, yeah. yeah, you just ruined Sunday. <laughs> I <laughs> told you, don't me. ask me. My th- I tried to not articulate anything. Forever. So, um, uh, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I, I really do think, like, the way to look at the show is, is through the eyes of Dot. And when, when you see... Also, Jenna Russell, who played Dot in that 2008 version, was so, so good. I should say, there was a revival. Um, it was a limited run in vi- revival that starred Jake Gyllenhaal. I saw a Gyllenhaal. A, a, I saw a little yeah, clip of Gyllenhaal. him singing the hat song. There's ammo to make this into a movie. You get, you get, you know, an upstarter woman to play Dot. You don't have a name for that. You just give it to Andrew Garfield and let him be Spider-Man as George. And there you go. <laughs> he's just to rip open his shirt. And he's got <laughs> yeah, the spider suit. He, he rips up and he's like climbing up the trees and shit and just being like, wow, the colors up here are so beautiful, Aunt May. I think the reverse of this, right? We talk about the medium. This is actually mm-hmm. something that is perfect for a stage show. I actually, yeah. as much as I'm joking about it, but like the idea of the proscenium being like this giant painting people Mm -hmm. coming in and out of the painting is like structurally it's such a fundamental part of it that like Mm -hmm. to do it as a film I think would do it a disservice and yeah to sort of take away from what's so interesting about the way it's staged yeah no I 
I agree. I just, um, as much as I joke, I know we're just riffing. I'm just, no, no, we're just riffing. I'm just saying saying as an aside, like, I guess we hadn't really talked about this, but like that, the way that that's actually just constructed is really interesting. Sure. As a stage show. I think it's really cool. It's really cool. Also, it was very, I was reading, um, uh, putting it together, the little pine book and talking like they, he was interviewing the guy who they had, um, designed the chromalome for this. Like he was a friend Mm -hmm. of Manny Patinkin's apparently. And like they went up to, uh, the producers who did not want to spend any money as producers are want to do. What? Um, That's so weird. Yeah. And they were like, we need, we need to have like, you know, an element in here. And they were like, James Apine's words where they said like, what the fuck? Uh, when they pitched <laughs> this idea of the chromalum, they were like, what the fuck is this? And they ended up going to like Mandy Patinkin's friend who was an engineer and a sculptor in his own right. And it ended up costing them like $350,000 Jesus to like, make this thing, which was like half of the budget for the show. <laughs> like, Thanks, Mandy. I'm like, damn, no wonder why you guys lost money. But like, uh, just like, they were like, well, you know, cause cats was like the big show at the time. Cats was like, what sure, was dominating right? everything. The, and they yeah. were like, well, here's our Andrew. spectacle ticket here, yeah. which again, very funny to me is this being a show, you know, that is written after like one of Sondheim's like biggest personal failures in his career, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. being like, okay, but I want to write something that's from me, but also we got, we still have to deal with the business of, uh, of, of being in business of Broadway and like begging people for money and, you know, looking for something that'll be a hook for, to get people to come in. And like I said earlier, it was the first use of projection mapping on Broadway. Very that's interesting cool. because the 2008 yeah. version I saw and I have a lot of feelings. I don't know if I've gotten in on them here about projection mapping in sets on Broadway, but like mm-hmm. a lot of shows use them as kind of like, to me, they feel like a crutch as opposed to doing actual like set designing, you know? And it's not yeah, to say that the yeah. people who don't, who design these things aren't immensely talented and didn't work hard on them. But for me, like sure. having a practical set is kind of like, especially when you want to have a set. And it's not like Hades Town where that there's, there's not really a point in having like these really, you know, detailed sets. Like yeah. Sunday, you kind of need, something like that. Uh, Cause it is about yeah. a work of art, but like um, the projection mapping that was used in the 2008 one was genuinely one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Nice. Like, yeah. Like I, I still think about that. Like even like the way they have like the, the characters coming in and out, like the dogs in the painting, like, yeah, become, right. like their own, like, creature it's it I, was so i was hoping cool. for a sequel where they talk about the monkey because they don't really talk about the monkey. They just bring <laughs> right. it in and then i was like what yeah. was that guy's story what's up with the monkey right well it's very funny to me too because like um th- at the end of the first act when they're singing sunday you know this big beautiful just song for no reason he's just like by the, the, the way the, here's a monkey here's the monkey right here and like, like I, I i think i i understand Buried what they were the trying lead. to do like because it's like, oh, it's his last moment, like with Dot, you know, like we, we want to make this feel for big someone for, like me. Know. That's a crucially important element to like relating <laughs> to Sarai's because he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'll put a fucking monkey. And I'm like, yes, you're yes. right. Because I always remember that monkey from seeing it and be like, why the fuck is there a monkey at the beach? This is so weird. Yeah. Oh, he was dropping the monkeys at the monkey cage. Yeah, but like, like I just love that. Like the monkey comes up. You're just like, the, and the music up. is like building yeah. to like this big, and like now oh, it's no, complete. No, no. Yeah, exactly. And there's the fucking monkey. And it's like I get it. He's we start the show realizing he was drawing the monkeys, and Dot feels insecure about that. And like part of it's the culmination of like, oh, this is a huge part of my masterpiece, and a part of it was going to be about you. And same with like the idea of you know he gives her a hat in the painting and right. a hat is kind of why they break up in the first place you know like again Hats like all these relationships i get it right oh my god <laughs> uh yeah someone i had a someone i dated was like i think your head's just too big for hats and i was like fuck oh, you but also ouch. you're right um i mean it's oh, true this. my head's gigantic they, don't worry don't feel bad because you well, got a bigger what, brain Exactly, exactly. I have all these thoughts about Sondheim in, in my head, and I traded that off instead Where of being able to wear hats. Go? Can't, a hat exactly. can't contain them. 
exactly. Where am I going to put them in my <laughs> butt? No. Um, but uh, okay. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> I think we should probably wrap them up. Yeah, uh, I could go on forever. Any, is, yeah, but yeah. Is there any? Uh, I I shouldn't even ask. Are there any other thoughts you have on it? Because I'm sure you have. Are there parting thoughts that you wanted to relay to uh, the audience before we go? I think if you've never seen Someday, it's absolutely like I know I'm biased here, but I I do think it is absolutely 100% worth the watch because as as much as like it is like an artist in use thing, I still have a hard time thinking of any show that I've seen that quite feels like it. You know, Um, it's Mm -hmm. it's, to me, it just it's it's gonna be 40 fucking years old. And that is genuinely bonkers to me. And even just like uh, as someone who's worked in museums or any time I've got getting just doing what I do now. um, I know putting it together stressed you out so much, but to me, I'm just like, damn, it really said it all right there, <laughs> except about my local improv scene, which is very funny. Um, I can't think of a show that has affected me on like a personal level as much as, as, as the show has. Um, and I think it's a really nice thing uh, to watch if you're feeling stuck. A lot of it's just about making peace and moving on. And that is to me like the best life lesson you can learn. Well, and also drawing bear- monkeys. Drawing monkeys is very important. Yes. Um, thank you for, for bearing your soul to us this episode. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry no, I'm to serious. everyone. It was nice. it's, no, no, it's oh. great. It's like I said, cause I, it was, I had, I couldn't really get into it, but you know, sure. it, it helps get into it. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, um, so well someone spoken. once said I had Bernadette Peters energy in this, which is the nicest compliment anyone has ever given me. So like, oh. I was just like, wow, thank you. Um, but, okay. uh, uh, that, that's my <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I I also don't know how to read like Dot, so there's that too. Like, I really relate to her. I like running around in my underwear and like doing my makeup and uh, not knowing how to. Very read. much. Um, yeah. And uh, now I have a daughter too. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, no. Thank you, thank you for listening. I'm I'm sorry this wasn't like, necessarily like a funnier episode. No, but, like I just like no, so not at all. So much sitting on this don't one. Apologize. And I'm, I'm really glad. Listen, even we though- are. This is a dot in the dot of different episodes where we are all different things. Oh my God, you're right. Sitting next to each other to create a thing. So it's not a funny, as funnier episode, but that's okay. That's literally the moral of the fucking musical. So don't apologize. (laughs) You're apologizing for Sunday in the Park with George by saying that instead of saying no. Fuck you. That's what this dot is. Dot is going to George and be like, George, I'm sorry you were a boring, sad sack piece of shit in the first one, but now in the first (laughs) act, but now you you just got to suck it up and move on. And, uh, deal with it baby but um yeah thank you for thank you for listening even though even though like we've i think come to this understanding of how we both see on time um it's always still like a joy to just get to share these things with you so it's a joy to hear it too. thank you yeah yes yeah. so um, that, that's that's all i us, gotta say folks yeah um folks listen in please go ahead and share your thoughts with us i'm sure you have many actually somebody was already it, it's funny every time we're about to do a show although maybe it has to do with what you tweet i'm not sure but someone always be mm. like are you going to do like this anytime soon? And I'm like, Oh shit, mm. we have this ready for next week. But, uh, anyway, I can't let us keep know my mouth thoughts. shut. I can't <laughs> keep my mouth shut. Uh, yes, Liz, uh, please let us know your thoughts. thoughts. Uh, we are at musical Splaining with no G on Twitter at musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Uh, I am at Kavitarian on Twitter and at perma friends on Instagram. And I will be at San Diego comic-con this week when this episode comes out. So come see me. I'm going to be an artist alley. Uh, BB02, I believe, is the number of my booth. Come right. say hello. Don't cough on me, but tell me that you love the podcast or that you hate the podcast. Either way, come visit. I would love to see you guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, yeah. It'll make me feel like, uh, you know, everything's great. And yeah, please come see. If I if I uh, if I have time, if I have stuff, I maybe have stuff for you. I don't know. We'll see. That's another uh, 
That's another thing that I showed you, Angie, that we're, we're yeah. we don't know how to talk <laughs> yeah, I was about like, you got some, yet, but yeah, yeah. I was like, there's, there's some treats involved. Um, it might be a treat. Maybe. It might be a maybe. treat. Maybe. Maybe a treat. Maybe. Fingers crossed. It's not me. I'm not a treat. I am a horrible, uh, <laughs> negative person. Uh, on that note, I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter, W-H-Y Angelina W-H-Y and uh, Angelina underscore S-E-E on Instagram. And as always, please, please, please follow the sponsor please. links. Yes. Leave us good reviews. Apple, yes. Spotify, Spotify, wherever, anywhere yes. and everywhere. Write it on the wall. Get a plane to write it in the clouds yeah. so that don't our don't leave can us see. sad, unfulfilled artists. We got to yes. do the putting it together. We the are tap like George Seurat. We need we you guys are. to tell us that we're great. Yeah, we are constantly sitting around drawing hats. And ignoring our <laughs> the people in our lives that matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for listening. Yeah. And we will see you at the next one. On Sunday, by the blue, the blue, the blue, the blue, the blue. monkeys. <laughs> <laughs>